0: Hey, it's Bethany and Bethany, and this is the Don't Kegel Chronicles podcast, the show where we talk about pelvic health, women's health, mom life, and a lot about sex. It's definitely one
1: of our favorite topics. You'll hear from us, two pelvic health experts and the owners of Arkansas Pelvic Health, and interviews with other powerful women and dudes that support us. Welcome back to the Dope Kegel Chronicles podcast with Bethann. Bethany, what up, E-Blake? Good morning. Or, <laughs> I wish it was a good morning. <laughs> it's been kind of rough. <laughs> it's been kind of rough, but it is 10.55 on a Tuesday, and we are back at it. Sorry we've had to take a few weeks hiatus. Um... I'm a little on the sick train, and so I can't talk very long without getting super nauseous, so we've had to, once again, push off our podcast, but today I'm feeling all right in this moment, so we're, we're going to try to record one Let's on go. birth prep. And this is the second attempt.
0: Yes. We had a really great conversation. Fantastic. But it
1: um, got deleted. Yeah. So we love
0: when round the audio two, doesn't work. Okay, so as previously discussed, yeah. we've talked about, and we've had a few episodes, like why does someone go to pelvic floor therapy, the issues that they might have, but then also you can go to pelvic floor therapy when you don't have issues. Yes. And one of those reasons is birth prep and kind of prepping for delivery. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to have an issue to go to therapy for that. It's just that you're pregnant. Yeah. So I've had one recently that came really early in her pregnancy with literally zero issues. Love that. And she said, I just want to make sure I'm strong and healthy through my pregnancy and I want to have a really good delivery. So, like, amazing. So, how we tracked that was about once a month until she was in that third trimester. Mm-hmm. We changed up exercises. Um, and I can tell you what some of those exercises are. And then we did some birth prep stuff. So, tell us, Beth Ann, yes. what do you do if someone comes in for birth prep? For they're, birth? They're at
1: 35 weeks. 35 like, weeks. Getting ready. Yep. Uh, so, what we're going to start with is probably some perineal stretching, especially if they know they're going to have a vaginal delivery. Some people know that they're going to have a cesarean uh, due to like, if like for me, Emma was frank breech, so there was no way that I was going to have a vaginal delivery. For you, me, shoulder Shoulder <laughs> and I am <ain't> doing <laughs> that I again. I am doing that again. So we have reasons, but most people prep for a vaginal delivery. So the perineum is the body of tissue between the vagina and the anus, and so that is what has to stretch well for the baby's head and all the things stretch. But that needs to stretch really well because that's most often what tears. Right. And that's what has to stretch. Right. right. So, like, with the vagina, the front part of
0: it, there's a bone at the top. Yeah. You're not going to get much movement there. But the bottom part of it is where all the mobility is. Right. So, that's what has to super stretch. And when things super stretch, sometimes they tear. Yeah. So, perineal stretching is one way that is actually evidence-based mm-hmm. that decreases the risk of tearing. Right.
1: Right. So starting off with that, we can do some practice pushing, which I want to I stop the convo right here and talk about the uterus because I feel like a lot of people have a very strong misconception that their pelvic floor is what pushes the kid out, and that is not the case. Your right. uterus is actually what gets the kid out. You're contracting, contracting, if, contracting you if you will. But the pelvic floor does need to be able to relax, and so um, if you can just, if we can teach you how to lift your shoulders and your head a little bit to get a little downward pressure, pressure, um, then by all means, let's do that. And we can work on different positions, because if you you have an epidural, you obviously can't move as much, but I'm very pro-epidural. It was great for me. My body stalled at a 6 for 17 hours, and my nurse was like, listen, if you were my daughter, no, I would have her get an epidural because your body's obviously not chilling out. And that was one of the best things for me because I went from a 6 to a 10 in like 45 minutes.
0: Yeah, it's great for some people. Yeah. And
1: some people don't want it. And, and that's and those totally fair.
0: options can still be supported because right. birth is painful. <clears throat> yes. And also you can tolerate pain. Yeah. So it's, you know, there are ways that we could talk about tolerating pain too. But birth positioning is one way that's super helpful to progress labor. Yeah. But if you have an epidural, you're a little bit more limited right. on birth.
1: I had one girl who came in. She was uh, that was her third pregnancy, and she really wanted to birth the for the third time in quadruped, but she was having sac- so all fours, all fours, um, up on all fours, and, but she was having sacral pain, which was not allowing her to get in that position. So she was like, "This is my goal," and I was like, "Great, we can definitely work on that." So mm-hmm. we worked on her sacrum. We worked on chilling out her adductors and the pelvic floor muscles, and then she had no sacral pain and birthed for the third time in quadruped. Amazing. It was a cra- it was crazy. I loved it.
0: So going back to
1: that, what I always call it, push lab.
0: Yes. So we like to talk, or I like to talk people and tell me if you would do anything different in your sessions. Mm-hmm. I'll talk them through different positions and their goals for labor. Yes. Some people come in and they're like, girl, I want that epidural. I'm like, okay. That already directs my treatment approach. Some people come in, they're like, I don't want an epidural, so I'm like, amazing, and that directs our treatment approach. Either way, whichever way, we go over positioning Mm -hmm. to help that sacrum move, and also relaxing the pelvic floor. Yep. So, relaxing the pelvic floor so that those uterine contractions, and then if we guide it a little bit by lifting our head and neck, can help the baby exit appropriately. Yes. So, we'll go over some of that. So, we're not full pushing, obviously. That would be dumb and probably also unsafe (laughs) but some practice pushes Mm -hmm. relaxing the pelvic floor practicing positioning yep and we'll also discuss pain management Mm -hmm. techniques so the evidence suggests being upright and moving helps with pain the most and there's tens units Mm -hmm. and counter pressure yep there's birth tubs
1: there's things all kinds of things that can help with pain relief i also really love when a if a person has a partner and they can come to the session, so we can go over like this is sacral pressure. This is what this is. If you're going to use a tendon, and it goes here, this is perineal stretching. Because obviously, when you're yeah, obviously when you're 35, 36 weeks pregnant, it's kind of hard to reach your own vulva, right? Truthfully, like yeah. I mean, where is it huh? down, down, down under down <laughs> <laughs> in the oven. <avest.
0: laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't, those are some major things. Yeah, birth. Like, Mm-hmm. Perineal stretching, yep. labor positioning. Yep. I also like to go over spinning babies uh-huh. techniques just to help make sure everything's balanced yep. well. We'll go over some internal, like literal inter, intravaginal, um, pressure release techniques mm-hmm. because sometimes it's that pelvic layer that's tight. Yeah, because it tightens when we're in pain. That's yeah. kind of stopping that baby from dropping down into position. Mm-hmm. And then also addressing any pain. Yeah. Obviously, pains can arise during pregnancy, and I think it's one of those things that people just said, oh, yeah, it's normal. You're pregnant, but we know better now. We know
1: better. Those things can be fixed. Yeah. Know better, do better. They can be fixed. And, you know, I think a lot of people, if the baby is sitting typically on one side, there could be a reason for that. There could be, like, the, the left side of the back is hurting, so the baby's going to sit on the right. Babies are super smart. And they're going to go to where they're most comfortable, obviously. I in think most in space. most space. And I also think I always like to address, like, I understand you have a plan, but let's talk through another option if this were to happen. So, like, if you plan a vaginal delivery and you've got A, B, and C, but, like, if we end in a C-section, I want you to know these are the things you need to know. This is how you will we'll get out of bed. This is These are silicone sheets. Like, all of these things because I want people to be prepped for – The unknown because truthfully birth is a very unknown like you don't know how your baby's going to tolerate pitocin or positioning or just like in general like what they're going to do and so like we want everything to be safe so if that means like us talking you through another plan not that that's what you want but like I want you to be aware of like what could happen to you so that you go in and you're like okay I have confidence in what's about to happen to me.
0: Make so many good points there, and I want to go back to some of them. But one of them is prepping for cesarean, even if that's not in your plan. Right. So it's kind of like an amazing race or a marathon, where it's like you know where you start and yep. you know where the end is, and you think you know the best route to get there, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes you have to take like a little alternate path. Yeah. So if you were to end up in an OR, I love to talk my patients through that mm-hmm. because it's kind of scary. Just the whiteness of the room. It's so bright,
1: and and, then and not
0: quiet and you know that there's a baby in your belly right now and when you get out of there the baby's not in your belly and right. are they going to be in your arms or are they going to be with the NICU right, right. you know it's there's a lot that could go on there but there are still some things that you could just be prepared for mentally right and physically I knew our cesareans were different yes. I knew for mine because it was totally planned mm-hmm. you know it, reach or not we knew we were doing a section yep and that was my choice. I wanted that, and we had shared decision-making, pros and cons, so I felt really good about it, but then also I was like, hey, I don't want opioids, so, you know, what what can we do instead of that? And so we did a different protocol with right. our opioids, and that involved me getting out of bed sooner and mm-hmm. walking down the hall, and, you know, luckily, part of my job, I know how to get out of bed yep. post off, and so I started including that for my birth prep patients, right. like, Hey, I had a cesarean. Mine was planned. Also, you know, this is literally my job. I'm sure mechanics kids have really great cars, too. Um, and so mm-hmm. I knew, like, how to get out of bed. And I knew how to make sure that first bowel movement after birth wasn't going to try to give me a second death. Yes another death. Like that
1: first one did with Samuel yes. Leva.
0: Woo. So, you know, I knew all those things and had a really amazing experience, and of course I had some great cards dealt my way before yeah. that happened, but, you know, I can prepare my patients the best they can too, so I love to talk them through what the room looks like, and right. what immediately stressed me out was being naked in the middle of the room. Literally
1: naked in the middle of the room. Oh, yeah. Like they like a, like my chest, I think, yeah. and
0: like my ankles, and oh, I was yeah, like,
1: cool. I think this. I would – I feel like I had a gown on, but, like, it was pulled up yeah. so high. And I think if I could do it differently – and, you know, what's cool. Bethany was in the room with me when my C-section happened um, because uh, Chris Travis, who I love dearly, is not medical, and I thought he was going to pass out at one point. Like, he was extremely green. But also because I am a nerd, um, I had the drape down. And so <laughs> I did it again for for – if I have to have another C-section this time – um, I will leave the drape up for Chris's. Uh, well being, <laughs> yeah. but I like the drape down. I thought it, me for, too, yeah,
0: because it made me feel more a part of the process. Oh yeah, like not divided. Mm-hmm. But I also couldn't really see that much because my belly was so but, big. Oh yeah, and I know so it like it made me feel more a part of the process, but I couldn't see that well. Yeah, and I mean there's some mirrors and I have a ton of pictures and things, but yeah. my belly was blocking my view. As yeah. we just discussed, you yeah. can't yeah. find your vulva. But,
1: I mean, the, the I cuts mean, just <laughs> I I was, love it. Oh <laughs> my gosh, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day because with my vaginal birth with Samuel. I, of course, the PT. I was a nerd. I was like, I want the mirror. And the whole time I was like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> like I literally, I could, I, obviously I had never given birth before and I had never seen anything develop so big. So I, I didn't get the full experience. Now watching Charlotte be born, my middle daughter, I was like, okay, this is what happens because I literally saw it all because I was standing there with her birth mom. And so I have D- three different, completely different birth experiences. Yeah. Completely different. Emma's was not – We. Kn- I knew I was going to have to have a C-section, but I didn't know I was going to have it at 36 and 1, and, and the quickness of it and the emergency of it and the IUGR. Like, there was so much of the hospital bed rest that I just was not prepared for. Like, right. my husband was on an airplane, you know? So, like,
0: thinking how we're both, like, right. professionally prepared for cesarean. Yes. And, and then for my C-section mm-hmm. – I was even mentally prepared, right? Like yeah. I wanted it, I asked for it, I knew what protocol I wanted, yep. what meds I wanted. And and then yours mm-hmm. was not expected, right? No. Like you knew at some like at some point you're at their breach, there's no fluid, we're gonna section, right? right? So you knew, but then also I didn't go into the OR thinking, yeah, he might end up in the nitty. Yeah. I mean, he did actually have just a few problems. We recovered quickly, but yeah. like you know, I it didn't cross my mind. of, Okay, I can walk in right to this OR, and I'm I might leave the OR with my baby going somewhere else, or they might not be okay. Of course, yes. in any birth, right, you yeah. always anticipate kind of like babies are really pretty good, unless you know like yeah. there's something congenital that you already know. Mm-hmm. But like you going into that, you're like, we don't know the weight. We know it's going to be small. What if it's NICU? Yeah, you didn't know all these things, and those are two totally different things. Even though professionally you're prepared, right? And that's how trauma heals differently, too. Yes, right? yes. So like, I I do think that my cesarean was great, but part of what made it great is it wasn't traumatic.
1: Yes, and and like, I think mine was, was very it was it was so unknown of like what is about to happen in the next three minutes. Like right. I knew Dr. Oslieber and Dr. Rango were in there. Like I knew Lindsay was going to take care of me because. She, she, I just knew, I knew she was, and it was full of like people that I knew, like all the nurses, and I knew it was safe, but I didn't know what the outcome of my child was going to be. I didn't even know, A, I didn't know what I was having. And so, and I look back on it, and I'm so thankful at that moment that Emma was a girl because it was 36 and one, and it probably would have been a very different situation if it would have been a boy, right? Because wimpy white boy lungs, you know, right? Yeah, but because of that experience, I've been able to. Take that knowledge that I get that I gained from having a C-section, and be able to explain it like this is what's going to happen if you have a planned section, or if you're have a C. These are the things like down to the mo- the final moments of like extreme pressure. Like I, I I obviously had never had a C-section, so I wasn't ready for those final moments of like the extreme pressure when they're trying. Like Emma Emma's toe was in her eye, so it's just, they just had to pull a little bit harder to get her out. Yeah. And so I can talk patients through that too, and like okay, this is what you're going to do. You can ask to get out of bed as soon as possible. You can ask for your epidural to be turned off as soon as possible. Like there's so many things that like people who don't have the knowledge that we have because of what we do that we can share with our patients to make their experience right. hopefully better. Totally.
0: And so like, I mean, some people also have sections like me where it's not traumatic. Maybe they had a previous section and right. they don't want to be back or something like that. I still think the knowledge base that I had because of work mm-hmm. made it better. Yeah. Of course, sprinkling trauma is going to make everything worse. Yeah. But the knowledge base made it better, even for you, yeah. despite you know yeah. being, having some unknowns. And um, I loved having pictures. I had yes. read something um, saying that like people process trauma better with pictures. Yeah. And so I was really adamant that I wanted photos because I didn't know how I was going to feel. Or the outcome. And I was like, what if they have to put me to sleep? I want to, I want to yeah. see these things. Yeah. And so I made sure I had someone there to take pictures. And it's really nice to know your team. Yes. Um, I mean, the initial people in the room, I did not know. And I was just laying there naked. And still <laughs> my most uncomfortable point. I was like, I am in the middle of the room naked. naked. And they are walking around like it's normal. And I had to, like, check myself. Like, literally. Like, oh, it is normal Yeah, for them. Just
1: like when it's like are a on work- our table, right? <laughs> and
0: they're like. She's talking
1: to me about what she ate for brunch, and, and my she- vagina's out. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was doing a massage of the bowl of cavernousas, yeah. like, under the bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And I love the pictures, too, because I got to see Emma's toe in her eye. Like, okay, that's how you, like, I don't know why you right. thought that was comfortable inside of me, but, okay. okay, girlfriend, that's why you were measuring so small. Nobody can measure you. Right. Yeah, because she was a long old yes okay so i want to go back to
0: something else you said we went on a tangent because obviously we need to compre- decompress the <laughs> yes. sections yes but you said babies are smart and they I are want to remind people of that so sometimes we have people they've been doing birth prep we have been doing babies they're doing all the best things to set themselves up for success and they still find out babies breathe, mm-hmm. or they have to have a cesarean or yeah. something like that and i like to tell them that babies are smart mm-hmm. babies are a huge part of the labor and delivery process and what if the baby turned and their cord is short? Right. right. That's going to pull really weird in the placenta. We don't know what would happen in that case. And right. And so I do think that you can plan the best, prep the best, and sometimes how you wanted it to happen isn't how it happened, but we have to remember the babies are smart too. Yes. If the baby turns and then it cuts off their oxygen supply, right? Right. They're probably just not going to turn. No. So, you know, I, want, I always want people to remember that too. It's not a failure on you or no. your body's part. But that babies are smart too, and it, it probably is like that for a reason. Now, can you set yourself up for success and make sure you did everything possible? One hundred percent. You don't want to question. Could I have done something different? What if I did this? Yeah. Of course. Let's do all the things, and maybe baby does get in perfect position, and you have a beautiful vaginal delivery. Great. Right. doesn't but work? it
1: sometimes it doesn't work, and that is okay. I don't want people to think. I feel like society has this problem of saying that moms who have C-sections didn't birth their kids. And I was like, that's so false. Right. Or because actually, like, we were sliced open. Right. Like, literally sliced open, and a child was pulled from our abdomens. Right. Like, it is intense. Not like, case. it is a massive abdominal surgery.
0: My favorite, or I guess the thing that I hate the most is people are like, oh, did you have them naturally?" I'm like, oh, actually, artificially. <laughs> like, that, <laughs> I like not. I wouldn't believe myself right now, Bruh. but... Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. No. No. Like, I, yes, I naturally have this child because I birthed it. Yeah, okay? I, I, I agree with the it's child. It's
1: not a robot. I, no. People get on my nerves. Oh, my so, goodness.
0: But I also want to point out that I think all birth experiences and your feelings about them are valid. So sometimes yes. people have cesareans, and you have those people, and they're like, Oh, but each had a healthy, you. and you're like, I know. But it can, you can still be unhappy you about can sti- how it got to that yes. point, and that's valid,
1: and that's okay. Like everybody's birth experience is different, and everybody's birth experience and how you feel completely valid. Do you have to? Do you have to go to therapy sometimes to work through your birth trauma? Oh, yeah. Yes. Do we work through birth trauma with our patients on the table on a daily basis? Yes, because like it's something that happens. Like if you planned and you didn't plan to have preeclampsia and oh, you're actually, you thought you were going to deliver on September 18th, but you're actually going to deliver on August 20th. Like right. you, you didn't plan lie. that. It's a lot. Cause you're, you're like, oh, I wasn't prepped for that. I wasn't prepped for, hey, I'm going to go in. Hey, <laughs> hey, is the baby still breech? Oh, I don't know. Let's go see. Like, oh, you're not leaving the hospital. Like I had no no knowledge of what was happening like and that's okay because obviously Emma, everything turned out great um this but you can still, it, you can still be,
0: like i don't know yeah
1: the way that it happened
0: 100% and so i always like to point that out too cuz it's it's almost like I mean, i'm going to tie in another thing here mm-hmm. like if people have a miscarriage and they're like at least you can get pregnant
1: that's or, one of the worst things you can oh, say there's
0: probably some some something wrong that's what happened yeah oh everything happens for a reason
1: no 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 No.
0: and so like I feel like the equivalent to that during birth is at least you have a healthy baby or things like that and their experience is still valid yeah and it's really I feel like we're in an interesting place because both of us have had children yes various routes yep yep and then also both of us have had losses yes we work in the medical field so Mm. we're hearing maybe their provider's point of view, and then you're yeah. also hearing the patient point of view. Yeah. And so I just think it's interesting because I'm taking all of that into mm-hmm. account, and I hear patients say, well, they didn't get consent before they did this. And then while also knowing, yikes, but also if they didn't use those few couple minutes that they had to do what they needed to do, the outcome could be Could have be very, And it's yeah. not my job to tell them that. I just like to no. point out, like, what would you have liked to happen? Right, And one thing that my doctor did with me, I don't know if they do this for everyone or if they just know I was like an anxious person. (laughs) They're like, "What is the thing that you're the most worried about? Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and discuss if we got to that point, how we would handle it." I mean, this was like, I love that before I was 30 weeks pregnant. Yeah, and so I really liked that because then also me, the planner, me was like, (laughs) "Wait, you're a planner? Go ahead." Let's go ahead and discuss what potentially could happen or what the options are. Yeah. Um, also, you're a planner when it comes to birth. You just said, see the
1: plan, flexibility. <laughs> <That's laughs> yeah. You just gotta be like, you just gotta be flexible. Like I, you know, I I didn't Emma. I was just so thankful that. When Bethany looked at me and said the NICU team just left, and I like was I was sobbing like the whole time. Anyway, when they yelled out like five seven and NICU team left, like because it was such an unknown, like I had no idea what was about to happen. Versus like with Sam, I was like I'm gonna have a baby. Like my my anxiety with Samuel way different.
0: But really, the outcome in a vaginal or cesarean are the same, right? Yeah, nobody
1: really knows,
0: but theoretically, theoretically, you think, that you think that everything's gonna go well. Yep, yep. going to have a healthy baby. And the difference of both of us going into the OR is I was like thirty nine weeks. Yeah, um, I knew that I was having a cesarean. I had my team there. You know, was prepared for it, and 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 didn't expect a NICU stay or right, anything. Right. And you go in and you're like, "Am I going to get to hold this baby? Yep. Is the NICU going to take them?" And like that didn't really cross my mind. Let mm-hmm. me this like it did, is I could play an F. Right, right. Like, <laughs> like not a play an A.
1: For sure.
0: Okay, so we've kind of talked about a little cesarean prep for birth prep. A little bit of pushing lab. A little bit of perineal. But also during pregnancy. So, like, my one that came her whole pregnancy exercise. ACOG recommends exercise. Yeah. 150 minutes a week. Love it. Hip mobility, things like that. We did that her um, entire pregnancy. And we kind of upped it just like OB appointments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? So, it's like once a month. And We got closer. We added some perineal things. And her last appointment before she went in, she was only 36 weeks, and I said, girl, a lot of things are just different here, and I don't like your blood pressure. I yep. think you should go to the hospital. It's, like, not emergent. Like, go let your dog out and grab your bag. I do think you need other eyes on you." Yeah. And she actually just came back yesterday for her postpartum <laughs> visit. She said, you told me to go to the hospital, and they said, I think you could be in labor. I'm not sure, and my water broke within a few hours, yep. and I was right back at it, and I was like, we know, there bro. we go. We yeah. know. And she had, like, a little bit of tearing, even though she did the prep the best she could. We only got two weeks of perineal yep. yep. work in, um, and she did the pushing that we discussed, and she's super pleased with her outcomes, and now she's here for, you know, postpartum, like, return to exercise. Right. Which so, we was, love. Yeah. I love really that we
1: can see you from the moment you find out you're pregnant until your birth and postpartum, like the whole life cycle is what we want. Right. And, and our goal as pelvic floor PTs is just to give you all the tools to make your birth experiences the best it can be for like the situation that you're presented Right, with. The cards that you're given and <clears throat> even
0: pre-pregnancy, right? right. So pain with intercourse, yep. you
1: see people, but
0: also there's some new studies about fertility, mechanical oh, yes. fertility. So in that trying-to-conceive stage, mm-hmm. there's some things we can do. So it's super cool, that whole life cycle of the patient, and just, like, rewarding. Too. Yes,
1: for sure. So all of that to say, as a wrap-up, is we can help with birth prep, whether you want to come not even pregnant. We can come, We start at six weeks. We can start you at 35 weeks, like, whenever you want to come. Or if you have pain along the way, we are happy to help you. So that yeah. you can enjoy your pregnancy as much as possible. It's
0: more like optimizing it. Yes.
1: Right? So maybe you don't have a problem, but
0: you want to make sure it's the best it can be. You right. You always have to have that problem to come to therapy. We can get you exercising. We can get you prepped. Yep. But anyway, a little shout out for I love pelvic therapy. <laughs> I could not be anything else except maybe a detective. I could
1: be a detective. 100%. That would, <laughs> we, y'all don't know this, but me and Bethany can figure out literally anything. <laughs> Anything at any time. And I think people, I used to tell my boys, I I actually know all things. And they're like, no, you don't. And I was like, I promise I do. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, they're like, you you actually do know a lot of people, and you know all things. And I was like, I do. And the Internet just Just has such great records. (laughs) It's so true. So true. Well, that's a wrap on birth prep, and we'll see you next time. Bye.